Hello, and welcome to Dear Fandom, where everything you like is terrible. And that's okay, except for today. It's just truly terrible. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm Megan. That's my name. I forgot. There we go. I'm also Knocked Up, and we're reviewing Knocked Up. This is, there's a lot of uh, brain baby taking my brain cells. So that's why we're reviewing just a low brain cell kind of movie. Uh, yeah basically so um, yeah. my, sorry hillary continue no it's fine my name is hillary um and i'm going to tell you about my first exposure to this film which i briefly referenced in the um in the last episode about juno which is a very different movie than this it really <laughs> is i actually went to see this film with my mom so where is the last whereas with juno i went to see with my sister my friend at the time and, and myself and we were in the theater by ourselves and our mothers were very against it this one my mom was like okay we're gonna go together and uh and she cried during the scene where she gives birth now just for a quick like synopsis ish kind of you know information so this movie was directed by judd apatow came out in 2007 and i actually just found out today through wikipedia that it uh opened up on pirates of the caribbean at world's end's second weekend so they like gave they really were there was like a lot of hope that's like the kind of hope when you like do a paper like three hours before it's due and you're like i'm gonna get an a and you're like that's not the truth at all Um, you know what you usually you end up getting like a B and then like which is what happened with Knocked Up yeah I'd say it did fine (laughs) it was fine in terms of performance like you know for the box office that weekend it gets going up against such a heavy hitter like the Pirates of the Caribbean uh finale at the time (laughs) um but it's so it's directed by Judd Apatow it stars Seth Rogen Catherine Heigl Paul Rudd, Leslie Mann, Jason Segel, Martin Starr, Jay Baruchel, Jonah Hill. Um, I mean, everybody, every, every like, big men. name that currently exists in today's uh, modern Hollywood is in it, except for Katherine Heigl, who I believe is since uh, either not is in as many films anymore, or she she's more selective about her roles, or no. she's taken a smaller hiatus. There is um, actually a big problem with her in Hollywood. She's apparently very difficult to work with. So this causes her to be passed over for roles. And she's focusing, like, more on her kids. And she lives on, like, a farm. She's, like, she's, like, goop, but, like, rural. (laughs) She's, like, goop, but hey. (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay. So anyway, uh, this is the synopsis. Allison is 23. Allison is Katherine Heigl. Ben is 24. And he, Ben is Seth Rogen. And uh, Allison gets a promotion. She decides to go out and drinks with her sister. They get, uh, you know, kind of tipsy. And then her sister's like, ah, I definitely have children. I'm going to go home. Like, that was a great choice. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, her and Seth Rogen, like, meet up, have a lot of drinks, you know, go home, bang. Uh, however, you know, misunderstanding of... <laughs> Of her going, we'll just get on with it already. He's like, ah, that means obviously no condom. Dog in it. <laughs> I'm just gonna just gonna shove it inside because apparently, you know, the reason she asked for a condom is because she's magically infertile. Um, <laughs> and uh, they have sex, and then whoa, look at Jet. Eight weeks later, she's pregnant because. And this is this is where the start of my issues occur. Um, pregnancy now, does pregnancy not work that way. Pregnancy, in terms of like the, the probability of you, I mean, then again, twenty three, you're like, you know, in terms of like uh, how fertile a person is, you know, obviously when you're younger, when you're under the age of thirty, you're more fertile. You probably have like a higher chance of getting pregnant than you do past the age of thirty. That isn't to say that's for every woman ever in the existence of history. It's just you know statistically, you have an easier chance getting pregnant the younger you are um but 
in terms of the actual probability, women only ovulate for about like, I don't know, three days, I believe. Uh, and it's three to five days, depending on your cycle, and are fertile for only three to five days of a 30-day period, 28-day period, 28 to 32-day period. So you're telling me that she just happened to meet this dude on a one in 20 chance, one, sorry, Three and twenty-eight chance. All right, let's give it to that. Um, say, you're the math one out of the two. Um, of us. Listen, on. I'm I may be in the math one, but I may be in the math one. <laughs> there we but go. I'm thirty weeks up. pregnant tomorrow, and uh, I've like I've just stopped using words correctly uh, because there's when they say pregnancy brain is a thing, it absolutely is. You're like, oh man, I'd love a towel, and then they're like, where wh- what? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I meant hot dog. Um, I forgot because I was at the pool and I was looking at a towel and then I wanted a hot dog. So I said towel. Everyone's like, OK, this is a weird Fourth of July. Um, this is the time. Um, but yeah, so she gets pregnant. And then uh, what proceeds to happen is uh, I what I would consider a traumatic fucking pregnancy uh, because she decides to keep the baby for no I really can't discern the reason that she decides to keep this child. Um, and it's just a, an entire movie of. Of if I were her friend, I would have advised her to not do it. I would have been like, "Listen, uh, getting into a relationship because you're pregnant, yeah, that's not a, it's not on the list of uh, ways you should start dating someone. Maybe like if you're like in a long-term relationship, but you're not yet married, and you decide to keep the baby, that is completely on you. If you've had six and a half hours of uh, prior communication before you get pregnant, maybe don't. Maybe like it's okay. Like you're 23, you got it, you're fine." Um, and, and it's just, you know, it's, it's about how these two people just really don't get along. Catherine Heigl is, her character is, uh, like a production assistant, I believe, for E! Entertainment Television Networking. And, uh, Seth Rogen is a stoner who's trying to operate a website in 2007, which I'm certain had he kept that job, he would be like 10 million, like, dollars richer in this moment right now. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to definitely. be fair, Seth Rogen is also, like, exceedingly, in terms of, like, aging well, Seth Rogen, oh, fine wine. Um, Truly. Honestly, yeah, he, he only gets better as he gets older. Absolutely. And I feel like, uh, so in terms of fandom, this, this, is, this is very much a Judd Apatow, your stoner, like, who doesn't love these kind of movies? Specifically, Seth Rogen's fandom adores this kind of shit. And, like, yeah, hey, listen. I love weed. It's great. Except, you know, if you're my mom or dad, in which case it's the devil's lettuce. And I didn't even do it once. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it's, I understand like, Hey, like when I, when I'm, I mean, I, I understand like using weed as like, whatever, like, you know, as a thing that you and your friends bond over or like, you know, it's a way to like get your creative juices flowing. Like I'm not here to like shit on that kind of life. Like some of the best jokes were like, had to do completely with his roommates um and they like like paul rudd's character comes up and they all have pink eye because they've all been farting on each other's pillows and then martin Starr comes up and they're like oh man who gave you pink eye and he goes i don't have pink eye i'm just really high and i want to just give you the audience a little clue as to who martin Starr is i know if you've watched spider-man homecoming or spider-man far from home he's the weird nerdy teacher that everyone hates and, and when Mike found that out, I'm like, no, it's literally the same guy. The one who, like, leads the mathletes type guy. It's, that's such a weird, like, anti-flex. <laughs> it is. You know what it is? It is the natural pro- life progression of a stoner. Because you'll be, like, smoking heavy in your 20s. You'll just fucking go. And then one day you'll go, man, 
All this weed is giving me a lot of clarity that I don't have a direction in life. I think I'm going to get my teaching degree. And look at that. Now you're a teacher in Queens. Yup. And now Zendaya is calling out on a bunch of history. Okay, we're getting to a different subject. But wanted to just say Martin Starr is really like showing you the life cycle of a, of a stoner. You'll smoke weed every day and have the long hair and the crazy beard. And then you'll just decide I'm going to trim the beard, cut the hair really into math now. Not saying that I relate to that at all, but <laughs> well, you trimmed your beard, and now you're really into and math. now and now I'm really into math, guys. Uh, so it's just in terms of a movie about pregnancy, um, it's it's a movie about pregnancy. It's not incorrect. Like they show like sonogram images, and you're like, oh, okay. And like in terms of her progression, in terms of how big she gets, yeah, that's accurate as well. In terms of the actual birth, it's also the first movie in which I've ever seen a crowning. And like, that's something, you know, I think we all have horrific memories of the miracle of life and being, you know, being in in ninth grade and they'll be like, and this is pregnancy. That fucking, that that fucking like straight shot of full bush and just like half a baby head. Just like, it's a lot. Everyone screamed. (laughs) It's a lot. And like. So this is actually perfect timing for us to record this because I had a birthing class with my husband yesterday and she was going over every trope in film that just does that does not really true in real life. And I'm going to tell you the first one is labor in movies is always screaming. They're always screaming like they're being stabbed in the gut. And uh, we watched about 30 different women give birth. <laughs> yesterday because you know they're like look at you're one of many and we're like thank you uh and i'd say if we had to describe the kind of pain that a that a pregnant person goes through when they're in labor if you've ever watched the world's strongest man competitions or if you've watched lifting competitions in general and when people squat up and they go "Mm," like that it's it's the equivalency except a little bit more uh i wouldn't say like sexual but the moaning is definitely not like screaming bloody murder type yeah no i would imagine because it's like um i i have asked my cousins my cousins who have given birth i'm like what's it like and they're like it's like taking the biggest shit of your life exactly (laughs) exactly like when somebody poops they're not gonna scream that they're being ripped apart from the inside (laughs) exactly and um another issue is that so the movies always show, uh, like, when the woman's giving birth, she's always the most horrible, nasty person to her husband or her partner, whoever's by her side, her mother. And uh, and that's the thing, is they're never really, they never really explain it because, you know, you just assume. You're like, oh, of course they are. They're just angry because they're giving birth. That's why they're telling him things like, I fucking hate you. No, that's not it. Um, Now, anybody can't imagine giving birth. Like, I actually really can't. I'm about to, and I still can't. And the idea of, like, just just a person leaving your body through your vagina, you're like, like, it's the kind of, like, anger where, like, if somebody tries to calm you down, like, you know, when you're just in a really horrifying, angry mood and somebody's like, listen, it'll be okay. And you're like, you would fucking know, wouldn't you? I saw you were okay. Just me. And you bring up all these terrible things that they've done because you're in that bad emotional space. That's where you're at. You're in the bad emotional space because there's nothing you can do to make the pain go away of pushing out a human child through your vagina and your pelvis. 
Oh, man. Sorry. The more I talk about it, the more I'm like, oh, it's going to happen. All right. Yep. <laughs> you as well prepare for it because it's going to happen. Exactly. Um, and, like, that's just one of the issues. I think the other issue that I have with this movie is just, like, I don't in any point believe that, like, if you're a stoner or a slacker, you'll be a bad parent. But I believe you'll be a bad parent if you and your partner don't get along. And this movie spends two hours encouraging a couple that is just not good together to stay together. Yep. And like, and I also, to the to the strongest, like, I cannot believe Judd Apatow had the goddamn nerve to write a part for his fucking wife and cast his fucking children. <laughs> As, like, this, I mean, to be fair, anti-vax moms have always been around, I guess. Because she's an anti-vax mom. Did you see that in the movie? Yep. Lost my mind. I was like, why would you write your wife as an anti-vaxxer? She's terrible. <laughs> I hate her. But also, I hate all anti-vaxxers, so. Yeah, no. Uh, this is an uh, anti-anti-vaxxer podcast. So yeah, no, I mean, if you're if you're vaccination at this podcast, <laughs> if you're against vaccination, I have some news for you. Uh, there's this thing that's uh, going on right now. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called the pandemic. It's called the fucking coronavirus. <laughs> it's called the fucking coronavirus. And uh, we don't have a vaccine for it. And as you can see, we've got that well under control here. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't need one. Everyone's oh, fine. Yeah. We're all safe. Oh, yeah, Texas, man. Texas. <laughs> Florida's doing great. Arizona, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> and this is, and this is like, you know, I mean, to be honest to her, I, I understand, like, all right, what's her sister's name? Debbie. Debbie. Oh, God. And, like, they're very much the rich, white California people, like Alice and Debbie. And then you look at Paul Rudd and you're like, why? Look at me. Look at me in my eyes. Is she, is she holding you hostage? Are you okay? Um, and like it's weird because I the entire time like there's one part in the movie that I'm obsessed with it's when fucking Ben and uh, Paul Rudd's character just do shrooms and go to Vegas and then they they're tripping in the in the hotel room just talking about how much they love their like significant others and I'm like no that's that's accurate as shit um, yeah no that's that's a Apparently what shrooms, I've actually never done shrooms, but that is what shrooms does to you. Like, it just fills you with love. And it's crazy because, like, the most accurate parts of this movie just have nothing to do with the women of it. Here's the thing. This is my, my assessment of the movie is this is, um, not all people who get pregnant are women. So I'm going to use, you know, gender neutral language, but this is written by, written and directed by a person who will never give birth. So, yep. like... Like, he will never experience that. He does not have that form of reproductive system that would allow him to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so he's very much like, and this is men, and like, now I'm going to go kind of move on to like the woman part of it, because like, there are specifically women in this movie. Yeah. But this is, this is how, I feel like this is how dudes see women, you know? Like, I mean, to be fair, women also see women like this. this I've, I mean, I've, if, I've, I mean, if I hear another lady call a kid a crotch goblin, I'm literally going to look at her and go, listen, nobody's asking you to have children in this room. Can you be nicer to the people who haven't yet formed judgment on shit? Like, Here, I, I personally hate child-free people because I think a lot of the, I think a lot of them, are, there are some of them 
Okay, not all child-free people. Um, some, not all. What everything we say in this is not a, is not saying like everything of every category because like here's the thing with child-free people. Yeah, you're gonna get people who are just like I had a really shitty childhood. I don't want kids. Yeah, or or I simply cannot handle a child. Like, or I am more career focused, or like that sort of thing. Yeah, and that's fine. But you hating a child who has done nothing to you, kids are fine. Yeah. They're not like bad. Even a kid who is a brat is like, like, I think I've mentioned this, like, er, in earlier episodes, like, I used to be a nanny, and I had one or two kids who would just act up, and it was always a problem, like, at home or something like that, you know, it rarely has to do with the child themselves. Yeah, exactly. Just, it does, it costs zero dollars to be nice to a kid. Exactly. And, like... I understand, like, like liking children, you know, like, I, I also, in the same vein that I'm complaining about child-free people, I also would like to say this, this voice this same complaint to people who believe children are, like, dolls, that you should just have as many as you can oh, and God. collect them, because that's not it either. Ch- a child, I, I, just, just in case any of the listeners weren't aware, we were all children. We didn't come out the uterus fucking 28 years old and we were like, great, I'm ready to contribute to society, mom. Let's get my W-2. Uh, it's, it's literally like it's a process. Growing up, the reason children cry right after birth is because living is hard and it doesn't get easier. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair point. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's a... One of the most selfless things you can do as a person is to decide, is to make the conscious choice to have children. Uh, Now, if you obviously live in an area where, you know, uh, protection or uh, prevention is is in scarce supply or discouraged among, you know, abstinence is your only real method or abortion is not an easily accessible uh, facility, yeah, I understand that. That's something that you obviously as an individual have no control over. And telling a child, <laughs> telling a teenager to just don't have sex, you're going to be fine. Don't have sex. Yeah, there's a, yeah you, you brought this up earlier in the podcast. I'm thinking about it now, like the gears are turning in my head. I'm like, there obviously she has to have the baby. Otherwise, there's not going to be a movie. But she had, she had no She literally reason. had no reason. <laughs> she had no reason to have no. the child. None. If I got Zero. pregnant it's- after a one-night stand, and I say this to you all as a pregnant fucking woman, I would have an abortion. <laughs> I don't know why you think that women who have abortions can't get pregnant later on in life. Because the thing is, at the end of the day, don't bring a kid into this world that isn't going to be loved fully totally you're prepared for you've got the financial commitment and comfort for and you've got a even if you don't have a partner if you have a a friend or a relative who would be able to help you in those moments because raising kids by yourself is a hard fucking challenge and i can tell you that once i know this is 40 came out like a few years after but i did not watch it because yeah the first one left such a good impression in my mind that i was like yeah i'll catch the next one and it's that's the thing is like Juno may have been kind of ambiguous in terms of like pro-choice or or pro-life but this is straight up like pro like there's no choice here like when you as the as an actor looking at uh Catherine Heigl and you're like okay so why does she choose to keep this baby you're 23 you're rising at E um and some weird dude who lives in a house with eight other people got you pregnant Okay, I'd like to know your thought process here. Is it because you just got pregnant? <laughs> you need to keep the baby? So that's the thing is like, 
is it is it and that's she's also in fucking california she's a rich white girl in california and also she's living with her fucking sister it's in a pool house yeah she's not like it's not as though she really has her own apartment or anything like that like where is she gonna go like to her to ben's house where he lives with fucking nine thousand people and that's and that's the thing is like the characters i don't like the most in this movie are debbie and Allison, I just don't like them. And I always try to find, like, and, and some of the stuff that Allison does, I understand in the moment as being a pregnant person. So, like, when she's getting upset and she's crying and she's like, I am entitled to be wrong at this juncture of my life or whatever, and she's having that breakdown, I get it. I understand it. Because uh, you're, like, that's the thing is, I can't judge another woman's pregnancy. However, she's not really pregnant. This is Katherine Heigl making some large base assumptions based on the script. Yeah, no, it's like, <laughs> I feel like this, I feel like, oh, God, that that whole thing, this whole, the plot arcs with the two main women in this movie is like, Judd Apatow does feminism or attempts feminism. (laughs) And that's so crazy because Leslie Mann has played some really good roles in her past. And you're just like, what? And like some of the, like, and like we were talking about this pantheon of comedy giants. We've got Bill Hader. We've got BJ Novak. Mo Collins was in it. I mean, Ken Jeong is in it. And like. Ken Jeong, I will give you, is probably the most accurate gynecologist, like, OB that I've seen in a film thus far, when he's like, when he's like, have you had any cigarettes? Like, I'm not, no, just one puff. There are some OBs like that who will just be like, look at me in the eyes. Did you smoke weed? And you'll be like, I, uh, like, you feel like you're in the principal's office. Yeah, because their, their number one concern is the baby. Like, they don't give a shit about you. Absolutely (laughs) not. Absolutely not. And I think with... With uh, <laughs> with Ken Jeong, you did a great job. With with like, but then again, there is one character who's a woman who I absolutely adore, and it's Charlene Yee's character. Oh yeah, um, yeah. she's my favorite. Uh, I'm obsessed with her. And she's like, you're gonna have like a baby, and it's just gonna like explode everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's exactly how I would have talked to 24. <laughs> like big fucking mood. <laughs> exactly, and like I think her and Martin Starr's relationship. I'm like, wow, look at that point of realism in this film. <laughs> nothing else and it's definitely something that you watch in 2007 and you go wow what a funny movie that's aged perfectly for the next five years and then i think 2013 onward we're probably gonna have a rough time with it guys (laughs) honestly this i will say like to to coin a phrase that we have used many a time on the show, this is truly age like milk. <laughs> it really has. And when I say milk, I mean like... It's cottage cheese. It <laughs> is. It's, it went past the buttermilk stage. We've, It's got some mold on it. And, you're, and you can tell how bad it's aged based on the cast, the crew, the writing staff. Everyone's basically like, yeah, I do not like that I was in this movie. Um, yeah and that says something especially considering the fact that it was made 13 years ago yeah i i mean have a lot of movies from 13 years ago aged really i mean let's look at the 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 comparison of the one that it was competing against pirates of the caribbean dead man uh sorry at world's end uh no i love that fucking movie are you shitting me that's amazing I could watch 16 marathons of Pirates of the Caribbean, the first three, though. We're not, we're not going to include. We're not, we don't count the other No, no, nothing happened after. I just, Um, and really bad eggs. That's (laughs) that's the one where, um, just to go off topic for a second, um, that's the one where, um, 
uh, Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley are like dueling while he's like, "Will you marry me?" And yes. Like, oh, that's uh, that's so classic. That's that, that's also like in terms is, of like a cinematic journey. That's a journey that with has Lizzie and Darcy vibes, and I'm just like here for it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and this one is is more like um, like your coworkers talking about how terrible their life is, and you're like. Are you using the coffee machine next, or can I go? Like, <laughs> I just imagine like myself in this situation, like with this coworker who was like an up and rising star, and I'm like a writer for E or whatever, and like I'm just like, oh, oh, you did that, oh, girl, no. <laughs> I'm literally just looking at um, so some of the responses, uh, the, the, so like uh, one of the writers of the uh, movie, sorry, uh, Mike White, who I don't know if anyone knows Mike White, but he was in uh, School of Rock. Uh, he's a famous screenwriter as well. He doesn't do a lot of acting as much. He does a lot of screenwriting. And um, he's he says that it's, it's in terms of he tries to be nice because he's friends with Judd Apatow. But what he used was the word disenchanted. And if you don't remember what Mike White looks like. Um, OK, so let's pretend we all remember School of Rock and we we didn't watch it really recently. But Mike White is this man who is pale like milk like he's he's literal milk with like the blondest of hair and you're like do you know what the sun looks like sir and if he's using the word disenchanted that means he hates its fucking guts it's it's not great and i mean it's in terms of so katherine heigl said she like enjoy working with everyone but um paints the women as shrews as humorless and uptight and paints the men as lovable goofy fun loving guys and i mean say what you will about how hard she is to work with <laughs> that's a hot take that's actually right a uh, temperature you know ready like from the microwave when you're like mm, this is reheated but also delicious honestly yeah it's like like cheese that's like a few days old but still like when you heat it up just right exactly very good you know it doesn't maybe it's because um she calls out shit i don't know like like i we we all learned in this like era of like hollywood where everyone's being called out on their shit and it's dope um I mean, I would say that like one of the things that like is good about is is good about like at least Hollywood as a whole right now is just calling out the stupid shit that people did so many years ago and like pointing out that movies aren't great. Like you know the the very famous quote your your um your fave is problematic. Your problematics are faves. Ah, there's that brain. Um, And I think that's it's it's just true. I think a lot of movies, you know, they have not aged well. And we we all like I love this movie when it came out. I love this movie for many years. And I think watching it as a pregnant woman, you're like, okay. Um, uh, I, so I just I just came up on the, uh, I just looked on the Wikipedia page in the accusations of sex, sexism section where two were talking about the disenchanted part. There's a really good quote here. Allison's Heig- Allison Heigl's character basically made zero sense. She was just a completely inconsistent character. She was this pleasant, blandly hot, peculiarly tolerant, yet oddly blank nice girl. She seemed to have no actual needs or desires of her own. And yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it, it was compared to Juno calling the latter a feminist girl power, girl powered rejoinder and a compliment to knocked up. Which is absolutely hysterical because I didn't plan on this, guys. <laughs> but it happened. Okay. Uh, actually, yeah, they, they came out the same year, 2007. This came out in June, and Juno came out in uh, October? Uh, August, September? I think. 
October, September. Um, but the point is, is that, yeah, pregnancy is not... Pregnancy is never going to be like in the movies. Pregnancy is... And you watch a movie, or even if you watch a friend, you'll be like, ah, oh, I'm going to have the exact same pregnancy as my friend. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because there's no way for... It's 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 the equivalent of being like, I'm... I, I, I've used this analogy a couple of times with regards to pregnancy, but pregnancy is the equivalent of running a marathon. Now, there will be some people who are just really good and really fit for marathons. And even if they've never run a marathon before, they'd probably be okay if they got one to the first time. And they'll like, it'll be hard, but they'll get through it and they'll enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. And those are lucky motherfuckers and we hate them, all right? <laughs> we hate them so much. And then there will be some people who will like go for a marathon and they'll be like hype. They'll be like, they'll get this first wind of energy and they'll just soar through. And then they'll hit the last two thirds and they'll be like, okay, I'm going to sit down or walk or crawl. I can't do this. And by the time they're crossing the finish line, they're passed out and they hate life and their feet are bleeding and they want to cry. So those are fine people as well. And then you have some people who start out the marathon and break their ankle halfway through. And then they're like, okay. Um, but they get to the finish line at the end. And that's the thing is there's no wrong way to run a marathon, just like there's no wrong way to have a pregnancy. Yeah. But I can tell you movie pregnancies are as accurate to pregnancy as watching a marathon movie and being like, that is exactly how it operates. Operates. nobody's bleeding everyone's having a great time i don't see a single person who's pissed themselves yet <laughs> so it's more like pregnancy than you all think yeah <laughs> yes pregnant ladies pee themselves i know this is like oh i don't need to hear this is disgusting ladies yes, don't need do. to talk like this sit your ass down i literally want to be like your mom did this literally probably i mean i don't know i don't know your mom but if i had to guess I i'd assume she probably sneezed at one point while pregnant and was like ah, i misjudged that <laughs> i misjudged misjudged a sneeze i know my mother has told me once or twice she's like oh yeah no that definitely happened to me while i was i mean my mother had three pregnancies I, i'm pretty sure it happened during one of them <laughs> i can imagine by the third one she's just like i'll just wear a diaper it's fine <laughs> um because it's it is as much as like and that's the thing is we can't cultivate this image of like yes pregnancy is crazy amazing in the sense that when you're going through it, you're like, oh, shit, this is going to be a person. This is going to be a human who's going to have their own thoughts, feelings, experiences, and ideas. Just like every human in, in existence has been a baby, has been an infant, has been a fetus, has been born. Everyone ever has been born. Like, that's the thing is nobody on this planet was, like, grown in a lab and pop and, like, just put into the sun. Except we're, you know, we're not counting Elon Musk today, all right? <laughs> No, we're not counting Grimes today. <laughs> we're not counting Grimes came to us. I'm pretty sure a cloud birthed her. <laughs> Man, I can't wait to like get a cease and desist letter from the Grimes community, and I'll be like, okay. Yeah, the the Tesla Corporation is just gonna be like, you gotta stop. You gotta stop making fun of my baby's math equation name. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta stop making fun of the parabola equation. Ah, okay. Love it. It looks it like at least if you were like, ooh, Pythagorean, like Pythagoras was like, you know, mathematician. So all right, yeah, that's cute. But like they're just choosing like, ah yes, the quadratic. <laughs> and it truly is the quadratic formula. <laughs> Basically. Um and God, I just think at the end of the day though, like so many things were wrong with that movie that like I and I would really be willing to give a lot of benefit to the doubt with regards to, like, how, sh how like, she gets pissed off because he doesn't read any of the baby books. Like, yeah. Are you kidding me? 
like feeling like you have to read baby books because you're pregnant is a, is a shitty it's, it's a shitty way to like operate to be, like how many people like really truly before they go into a test are like yeah i'm gonna actually just read the entire textbook and then i'll be set i'm gonna be fine nobody nobody maybe like three people do that in the class if your class is of 500 people I know that, like, when I get pregnant, I'm probably not going to read any baby books. I, I'd like say, that. for me, I read all of them months before I got pregnant. Literally, because I was going through a phase, and I was like, I need to get pregnant. So I read every baby book I wanted to. And I went to my doctor, and she's like, you're studying for a test that you don't know what it's on. And I'm like, yeah, no, I know. And then I got pregnant, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't know, guys. I had no idea. Um, this is a different test. I studied for Spanish. They handed me physics. Um, I swear to God. <laughs> thank uh, you i'm really good at analogies still <laughs> this has been dear analogy <laughs> i think yeah a lot of my a lot of my issue with this film aside from the fact that um it paints the women as these like fucking shrew is like i hate like what is this is this shakespeare but like, <laughs> um, but i feel like harpy would kind of be like a better word like a sort of like um or the she's oh, just yeah, straight unlikable though at the end of the day allison is somebody and like i do i will say that allison is straight up unlikable but one of the most accurate things they could show was how her job handled finding out about her pregnancy back in the day because my job when they found out they're like oh my god we're so happy this is great because i work in a in a workplace that is i'd say at least 60 percent women so at any given time there is between two and five women who are pregnant in the office and that's really cool i it's mean absolutely amazing i think that um uh allison it's like it's like judd mr apatow if we want to be nasty um was like okay so i once watched um i once watched a movie back when i was i watched the miracle of life and i watched um Let's see. Were there any sitcoms when we were kids where, like, people were pregnant? Or, like... I... I mean, honestly, he has no excuse. His two fucking actual children were really in it. Listen, just because a man has children doesn't mean he knows what to do with them. You know that. I... I and that's the thing, is, like, with Judd Apatow, like, he's made some amazing films in his life. And I, I, if I were Leslie Mann, I would have been like, what is this? I read the script. Were you even there for either of my pregnancies? And yet she agreed to be in it. I don't know. I think, I think every person is kind of allowed one strikeout or like one not strike, like one strikeout. I think. All right. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to look up Leslie Mann's filmography. <laughs> No, I, the thing is, like, with Leslie Mann, like, I, first thing I saw her in was George of the Jungle, and I was like, love her, she is great. Oh, man, she's 48, she looks awesome. Um, she looks great. Uh, actually, I'm gonna freak myself out now and find out how old, oh, God, Judd Apatow's oldest child is 22. <sighs> yeah, they I'm, had, they had kids early. Yo, uh, and her, the youngest one is 17. So if you haven't seen Yocked Up, uh, there's just two little girls, and one of them's like, I want to listen to Green Day! That one's 17 now. <laughs> oh. 
And the one who's talking about how when kids give birth, like when adults give birth and she talks about the bag of blood and it pops out your butt. Yeah, that one's 22. Uh, that's the real horror story here. God. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, that's the thing is, is, I mean, it's, it's, at least she can watch it like as an adult and go, this is hysterical. Um, I mean, I would absolutely, uh, but, but one of the, one of the things about the, the older sister was Leslie Mann, who's playing her, her actual mother was playing her mother. So that's at least a good, like in terms of the children, they were great on point, but she, she says, do you know where babies come from? And they just didn't give her a line. They said, tell us where babies come from. (laughs) And that's like, those are, that's the thing is like the scenes with his kids at no point would I, I, and that's like, oh my God, why wouldn't you just, like, if you have this beautiful, like, start of, like, having your wife and your children in the same movie, and you're like, you know, they're feeling comfortable with one another, Paul Rudd seems like a really chill guy in general, and then they just, they make this character of Debbie who's just like, I want to punch her in her face. And it's like... It's so, women like that exist, and we know this because, like, of the kind of influx of, like, Karen culture that we've been seeing. She's an absolute Karen. Oh, yeah, Debbie is an absolute Karen. She's the kind of, like, she's like, I don't want mercury in my children, all right, Pete? I don't want mercury in them, okay? So here's your tuna fish sandwich. Eat up. God. Um, but... Yeah, she's, like, with the influx of Karen culture and sort of, like, a, f- a film like this, like, could it be made now with um, that sort of character in it because there would be an outcry from these horrible racist white women. I'd like but, to I'd like to just say, then, we should make it. <laughs> we need to do it again. We need to do it again. <laughs> Except the um, entire movie is about how terrible Debbie is as a person. <laughs> it's, it's, like, I wish that character, like, it's cool to see that character, but, like, um... At the same time, it's, like, such a negative portrayal of women that, it, like, it's almost kind of upsetting. Because, like, I know that... I don't know. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's just very... I don't want to hate her, but I do. I'm here and I don't... To I want to hate... Like, I... Like, I feel like it's... It's so... It's so, like... It's so mismatched. It's like, oh, all the guys are fun-loving and cool and awesome, and all the women fucking suck. And, like, and women are terrible, and men are just great, and they're trying to have fun. And, like, why do you have to weigh me down with responsibilities? I mean, I will admit that, uh, like, Allison's character, she's, she's no reason to be, as, like, how she's written, you know? Like like you said, it's, it's just a very base profile. Debbie's definitely a little bit more defined as a character. Which um, is and I would, <laughs> I would say that... I I appreciate seeing how terrible Debbie is, mostly because of how gorgeous Leslie Mann is. And I think it's that's what you need to see in terms of if you're gonna have a Karen character, you need to like we need to make sure number one, she's thin as hell. Number two, there's some Botox in that face. Number three, did she get her hair done today? Duh, of course she got her hair done today. Number four, is she upset about something? Of course she's upset about something. It's a day. and that's the thing it's because like women i i think in general in in film you'll have so many different kinds of characters and like comparing her to uh allison janey's character who is not you know i mean she's tall as hell she's lanky but not thin in the way that like women are like i want her body it's more like thin in the way where she's like oh my entire skeleton has been stretched out and so is my musculature and fat and you're like oh i'm terrified um like she's just been tall and gawky her entire life exactly and she's still kind of you know nasty in the sense like when the sonogram tech 
technician talks about how like thank goodness for that and she's like what if they were crack addicts like it's great and so i'm i'm here if you're gonna make a woman uh, a, a a piece of shit kind of character i think the outer beauty sh- like i that's why i like the versions of cinderella where the stepsisters aren't ugly because i think beauty is always that inherent thing where it's not an outward looking thing like and, and i can absolutely see paul rudd and her getting together and being like this is a beautiful woman and she's so hot and then you know staying through that because of vanity reasons alone oh yeah they're like this they're like this apps i mean he's like He's like a sweet dumbass, but like they're this absolutely vapid, like looks obsessed, like Los Angeles couple. Mm-hmm. Like they're very much, and they're not aging well together. And it's like that's probably like it's so interesting how like this secondary. Re- I mean, they made a movie about it. That's how interesting it is. But like, like I said, she, her character was written a lot better than uh, than Allison's was, which is so well. Maybe it's because it was his wife, and he knew she had the range. But like. I've seen Katherine Heigl and stuff. Like she can, she can act. So like, I don't understand why. Though apparently, apparently, I just read in the Wikipedia that Anne Hathaway was originally cast in this role. Yeah, I mean, this this is the thing: is knocked up and twenty seven dresses are like three degrees apart from one another. Yeah, basically, they're the same film. They're the same film. It's just two alternate universes of Katherine Heigl, and the difference is in twenty seven dresses. I go, well, apparently her salary is 18 figures because that's a gigantic apartment. Look at that closet. Why is she keeping this many dresses? How does she have this much money to afford for this many weddings? (laughs) Yeah, I like, unless the wedding was special to me, if I were in that many weddings, I'd just throw them out. (laughs) I'd be like, I'd be like, ma'am, if you need my services as a wedding planner, you're paying for everything. If you'd like me to be a bridesmaid as well, I'm going to need you to pay for that dress. Thank you so much. I'm I'm keeping the dress from your wedding because it's actually a really nice dress and I like it and would wear it somewhere else. I'm also keeping the dress from my wedding. Well, (laughs) no, you don't say. (laughs) I'm sorry. I had to. Uh, But it's, it's true. Like Catherine Heigl, she does have range, but I mean, in terms of like, like a small amount of range. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, she was lot. big on the rom com scene in the in the two thousands. And uh, to be honest, and and here's where I, I blatantly just throw myself under the bus. I loved that shit. Are you kidding me? I was I was a teenager. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna meet a man who's gonna sweep me off my feet one day, and um, we're gonna sing Benny and the Jets in a bar drunk, and then I'm gonna change him into a good man where he's gonna give up his weed love and friends, and he's gonna get a job in an office. Realistic ending of uh, Knocked Up. Had even he changed all of that shit for her, uh, they would have ended their relationship before engagement was even a thing. Uh, and she would go, uh, yeah, give me child support. And he would go, yep, sounds good. And he'd go move back with his friends and they would all live happily ever after. The end. Yeah, they'd essentially co-parent that child and like not subject themselves to a relationship with one another where they're completely different people. And to be honest, let's shit on Ben for a hot minute. Uh, if you start smoking weed all the time, you're going to start missing child support payments and you're going to stop going to visitation and you're going to stop co-parenting. And that's not to say like weed is the devil. It is to say that sometimes when you don't have the child around you constantly, you forget that you're a parent because it doesn't feel like it's a constant thing. It feels more like, oh, this is the kid I babysit every other weekend. (laughs) Yeah, it's and you know, say say what you want about dependence on weed or whatever, like jury's out on that, I guess. But there is definitely a psychological element there. And like, yeah, it like stunts you, I think. 
Well, it depends on when you started smoking. If you if you were uh, if you were past the age of between twenty one and twenty five is where studies have been done that the that the human brain is fully matured from between men and women. Women you know it's usually younger, men it's usually older. You know when he was he was twelve. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean Harold Ramis played his dad and he was like, I smoked a lot of weed and I'm like, I want you to be my dad, Harold Ramis. <laughs> um, uh, and alive too. That that's more important. <laughs> Sorry, Maybe, that was a yeah. really bad joke. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's, I mean, in closing, uh, it didn't age well. I think Dud Apatow has many other films that have aged a lot better. Uh, if you just give me the next three hours, I can probably find one of them for you. Um, well, he, th- th- you know, this is the, is this is the end him? Well, he recently made, and I haven't watched it yet, but he recently directed King of Staten Island, and I've heard from people that it's pretty good. Yes, I have heard that that is good as well. I think it really does depend on the subject matter and the context and, like, how much a a movie is willing to make fun of itself and the main characters are willing to make fun of themselves. And I think that's what this movie sorely lacked. And and like you you said in that that, uh, Emily Nussbaum review, Allison took herself way too seriously with no personality whatsoever. So it just fell. It, that's why it's continued to age poorly. A movie that can make fun of itself ages well. Any comedy that can make fun of itself always ages well. I will I will fully admit that Bridesmaids has aged amazingly. Yeah. Because it's a movie willing to make fun of itself. It's a movie willing to, to joke on the tropes of women in bridal parties and how they really are not all the same person and how there's absolutely going to be some kind of, you know, conflict within. But Knocked Up could have played on that and they didn't. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's their loss. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we will be, we will hit you up next week with something uh, super fun. <laughs> and uh, we don't know yet. And um, yeah, have a wonderful rest of your day, uh, regardless of what time of day you're listening to this and stay safe. Absolutely. Remember to stay safe. Keep wearing a mask. Go outside only if you need to, guys. Listen, I get it. It's summer. We all want to be outside. You know what we all want to, though? Not to get infected with a highly contagious virus. Is that yeah. good? <laughs> Sounds good. Is that right. good? Have a good night. Bye. Bye.